Luke chapter 7 and verse number 28, Jesus said this uh, about John. He says, For I say to you, among those born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he, listen, who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. John chapter 1 verse 8, uh, John begins to, to speak about John the Baptist's mission. Uh, the Bible says to John the Baptist, he was not that light, speaking of John the Baptist, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. John was very effective, John the Baptist, in what God had called him to do. Jesus said so. Of those born of woman, he says, there's not been a more effective prophet, a mouthpiece for me, than John the Baptist. There were some things that, that marked his life that made him effective. And you may be sitting here this morning as a believer, and you say, well, no, that's, that's great. You know, another, another message about John the Baptist. And that's, we're glad we heard what we heard last week about how to be a, a man that God uses. But, you know, being a witness, that really doesn't have anything to do with me. Friend, I want you to listen to me this morning. It has everything to do with you. If you've been saved, say amen. amen. You have a mission. You may not have known about it, but that mission was part of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes students will sign up for a class and they don't know everything that's involved in that class, but it's in the syllabus. It's there. A lot of people get married and even though pastors try to prepare them and we try to help them understand, you know, the wife's focused on all the things that are going to happen at the wedding. The husband, he's thinking about, you know, how am I going to pay for all this? And they're not listening to all the counseling, but there's things that are involved in marriage that they don't know about yet, but it's there. Friend, I'm telling you, part of being a disciple is living on mission for Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, Jesus said this to the church, those who were going to be saved. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, where you live? Then when God begins to move you out, and then when the, the gospel goes to the Gentiles, and friend, thank God that Jesus said to the uttermost parts of the world, because from where he stood, that's right here in East Tennessee. And that's why the gospel is here. And so God calls us to be faithful witnesses. Simply to do this, listen, to share what we have seen and what we have heard. An effective Christian witness describes your life before Christ, listen to this parenthetical statement, without glorifying sin. Your life before Christ, how you came to know Christ, and can I say it again, friend? That's going to involve Scripture. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You need to be able to share with people how it is the Bible verses that you heard, and maybe not the ones you did hear, but what the Bible says it takes to be saved. You say, well, I can't memorize verses. You make God a liar. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You most certainly can. And your life since you came to Christ, my life before Christ, how I met Christ, and my life since Christ. And can I say this morning, this morning, you know, when, when there ought to be some joy in your heart when you share that to people. You know, I, when I listen to people talk about being saved, or I heard Peggy singing about what a joy it is to be saved. Friend, I looked at some of you this morning, and you didn't look like you were saved. The choir knows what I'm talking about. Say amen. So we just look miserable at the thought of being saved. Friend, listen, it ought to be a joy for us to tell other people about the greatest thing that's ever happened in our life. And it's, we're responsible to God for it. 
And so we would do well to examine John's witness to see what helped make it effective. I want you to notice, listen to me, 13 things. I got 13 points. If you're, I'm just kidding. I've just got five. Some of you, when I said 13, you're like, oh, my goodness. Doesn't five sound better? All right. Five things to note about how John had such an effective witness. John's witness was effective, number one, because his witness was displayed. He displayed it. Why don't you listen to me? It matters less what you say if you don't display it. What, what's the number one reason? They're still going to die and go to hell if they don't receive Christ. But what's the number one reason most people in the South won't come to church? The church is full of what? You know what? They're right. Most churches are full of hypocrites. They say one thing, they live something else. And now again with the advent of foolish social media, they don't have to go far to see that. The things that people put check marks beside, friend, they say Christ has changed their life, but they amen sinful things. Your testimony must first be displayed. And John's was. Listen to this. Verse 8 says, He was not that light, speaking of John the Baptist, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now stay with me. That was God's mission for John the Baptist. To go be a witness, to be the first person who pointed to Jesus Christ. To say, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Listen to what John begins to share about himself in verse number 31 of John chapter 1. He says, I did not know him. He's talking about prior. I didn't know Jesus. But that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. Part of John's ministry was to baptize people. It was to be symbolic of they were turning away from the dead Jewish religion, and really what the Pharisees had turned it into over the past 400 years since the book of Malachi had been written. They were turning away from that, admitting, this can't do anything for me. I'm turning away from religion, and I'm turning to Christ, who I don't even know yet. But he's coming. The Apostle Paul in the book of Acts spoke about that John baptized with water, and what he was really doing was getting people ready to receive the Christ who would come. And so verse 8 says John was sent for this. Don't miss it. And verse 31, John says, I was obedient. And I went and lived this out. Look at verse number 33. He says again, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remain upon him, this is he who baptizes in the Spirit. And John came to do this. And so verses 6 through 8 again, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came to be a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to be a witness of the light. And John says, who's writing the book of John the Baptist, verse 15, John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse number 26, John's baptizing. God sent him to baptize people who were turning from dead religion, were going to turn to Christ. He says, and, and, and I, I came, John answered them saying, I baptize with water. Not I intend to, listen to me, not I'm going to sing a song about baptizing. Not I want to put people on the prayer list who need to be baptized. Not I'm going to go talk to the pastor or the deacons about going to baptize this person who needs to be baptized. John says, God called me to do this. He said, and I've done it. 
He displayed, friend, that the gospel had changed his life. John's displayed obedience to God's will demonstrated, listen to me, that Christ was first place in his life. I'm telling you, friend, listen, God will honor his word. His word will not return void. But I'm telling you, your witness is not going to be effective if your life is not a living demonstration that the gospel has truly changed your life. And so you, your, your Christian witness must first place be displayed. And I'm telling you, friend, that's not legalism. That's not being overstrong. It is a biblical principle. And again, we use it all the time because there's no sadder illustration in all the Bible. The Bible calls Lot right, right, uh, righteous Lot. He, he knew God. But he had drifted away from God. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. He began to dwell at Sodom. And then he was a ruler at Sodom. He was sitting at the gate, friend, doing business. But God was going to send judgment upon Sodom. Now, now don't miss this. God was going to send judgment upon Sodom. And he sent word and was given opportunity, listen, for Lot's family to escape the judgment that was going to come so that they could be saved. Do you follow me on that? Judgment was going to come. God sent word on how they could be saved, and that was to flee. Now listen, Lot had the opportunity to talk to his family and to say, listen, God's going to send judgment upon Sodom. We've got to leave. He was telling them how to be saved. But because he had not lived out the gospel, friend, and had lived more like a lost person than a saved person, the Bible says when he started telling people how to be saved, his son-in-laws laughed at him. They laughed at him. It's because he hadn't demonstrated the gospel. That's why so many people, friend, won't listen to people who are hypocrites. They live like lost people at work. They live like lost people in the neighborhood. They live like lost people in their community. But then when they try to put their religious hat on and talk about Christ, friend, their, effect, their witness is not effective. John's was effective, friend, because he, he lived it out. That's a question I've got to ask him. We have to ask, can I really stand with confidence and point people to Christ if my lived out, and listen to this, and displayed priorities? Friend, listen, nobody has to guess in your life whether Jesus is first place. You hear me this morning? You don't, you, don't, you don't have to put a t-shirt. You don't have to put it on your social media account. You don't have to put a tag. Your life demonstrates whether Christ is really first place. People are going to hear it in your speech. They're going to see it lived out in your, in your priorities. But if my lived out display priorities look more like the world than a true follower of Jesus Christ, can I really stand with confidence and point people to Christ? And the answer, friend, is no. So the first thing for that has to be in place in your life if you're going to have an effective witness. I want to remind you again, you're going to give an account to God. You're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And you're going to give an account for how you witnessed, you pointed people to Jesus Christ. If your life doesn't display the life of change, you won't have an effective witness. John displayed the life of total surrender that he was inviting people to experience. And that's what you've got to do. Number two. If you're going to have an effective Christian witness, that witness must be described. Not only displayed, but it has to be described. I've heard so much in past years about lifestyle evangelism. And we've already stated, you need to live out the gospel. But those people who talk about that, 
they're trying to create an opportunity to escape a verbal presentation of the gospel. Jesus lived out truth, friend, but he also verbally shared it. How many of you are saved here again this morning? I've asked this three or four times. It's not going to be tricky. Uh, how many of you that are saved, somebody told you how to be saved? Same 100%. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Aren't you glad somebody took the time to tell you how to be saved? Did you know how to be saved before that? No, you didn't. Because we're born in darkness. We have to respond to the light. Romans chapter 1, conscience and creation. We respond to that light. God gives us more light. But somebody has to tell us to, to explain those things. God sent Philip to explain uh, to an Ethiopian eunuch. He, he wanted to understand, but he says, how can I unless someone comes and tells me? And so God expects us to share the truth. Look how John lived that out in, 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 in John chapter 1. Look at verse number 29. The Bible says the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and, what's the word? Said. Look at verse number 30. Follow with me. This is he of whom I said. Verse number 32. And John bore witness, saying. Verse number 34. He says, and, and I have seen and testified. John's sharing what he's, he's seen of Christ. Verse number 37. The two disciples heard. That's a little H-I-M. They heard John. They heard him speak. Then they followed Jesus. Verse number 40. One of the two heard John speak. What's he talking about? He's telling people about Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. John told people how to be saved. To turn to Christ. Friend, listen. When I got saved, it was because many people had sown God's word into my life. They had taken the time to tell me how to be saved over and over and over. The Holy Spirit had to draw. He had to convict. But God gives the church the blessing, friend. It's not a burden. Can I remind you again, friend? God doesn't need any of us. The best thing for the kingdom of God would be this, friend. The day you got saved for God to have killed you and to killed me and taken us home. There'd never be another hypocrite in the church after that. There wouldn't. There wouldn't be any excuse. Die immediately, go to the presence of Christ. Never the opportunity for a Christian to stumble, to turn away from Christ, to be something the devil could use to give someone an excuse to turn away from Christ. God gives us the privilege to be on ministry with Him. He can share His Word through whatever He wants to, friend. As a matter of fact, any old bush will do. He can speak through a bush. He can speak through a donkey. He can speak through whatever he chooses. But it's a blessing. It's a blessing and a privilege to be a part of ministry, to verbally tell people how to be saved. Our witness must be discussed. You have, you have to tell people how to be saved. Third, your witness must be daily if it's going to be effective. It can't be something that's in and out. It must be a daily lived out priority. Look at verse number 29. The Bible says the next day John saw Jesus. The next day. Well, that's the next day after, a series of days after he had been baptized. And then Luke chapter 4, he's been tempted by Satan. Those two things are over. And now Jesus is beginning his public ministry. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. Listen, it's the next day. He's already been saying this, but it's the next day after. And this is the very next day in, in ministry. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God. 
who takes away the sin of the world. He continues daily to share the same message over and over and over and over again. He continues every single day to point people to Jesus Christ. It's, it's a daily occurrence in his life. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. The Bible says, uh, then Jesus came from Galilee to, to the, from, of John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, you need to be, I don't need to be, you, I don't need to, to be baptized by you need, my goodness, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it now to be so for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens and the Spirit were opened, and the Spirit descended upon him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighted on him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God gave a witness, but listen. John gave a witness. He said, This, this is he. He said, and, and he says in, in past tense, verse number 30, notice this. This is he of whom I said. John was standing in, the, in the, the waters baptizing, and he says, this is him. God told me whom the Spirit of God descends upon. That's the Son of God. He says, I said it then, and now he's saying, I'm continuing to say. It was a daily occurrence in his life that he witnessed. Verse number 35, look at it. Again, the next day. John stood with two of his disciples. He continues to sow the word of God in people's lives. I'm telling you, you're never going to reach people for Christ if it's not a lived out priority in your life. It can't just be a priority. Listen, every year, December 31st, it's a priority in people's lives to lose weight and get healthy. But sadly for many, it's never a lived out priority. It's, it's most certainly, I guarantee, the priority of every believer in here to be a witness for Christ. But for it to be effective, friend, and for it to change people's lives, it has to be a lived out priority. It has to be something that happens every single day. As you, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, as you're going, as you move about every day wherever your mission field is, it has to, it has to be something that takes place daily. Verse number 36 and looking at Jesus as he walked. John the Baptist cries out, Behold the Lamb of God. John consistently and daily continues to point people into a saving relationship with Christ and a more surrendered relationship with Christ. How many of you just love the way the world is right now? Anybody? You need mental help if you do. But I want you to listen to me. We curse the darkness, but who's willing to turn the light on? I'm telling you, my friend, the reason the world is in the shape that it's in, it's not a political party's fault. It's the church's fault. It's because the church has failed daily to live on mission. Apathetic, indifferent, the church is a place for social activities to come to have, again, this word that drives to have community. But the lost and dying world, friend, is out there. And God calls us to have a daily effective witness. We're to live it out and verbally to tell people. It has to be something that's a priority every single day that I live my house. There's not a time that I'm living on mission for Christ. That has to be a reality. It was for John. And that's the reason it was, it was effective. 
Look at, look at verse number 37. Then two of the disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Why did those two disciples turn and follow Jesus? Because they heard John speak truth. Now I'm telling you, friend, the reason I'm saved this morning is because somebody took the time to tell me how to be saved. The reason there's so many people in our country who continue to walk in darkness is because they're church members, they're Christians, who've never taken the opportunity to walk next door and tell them how to be saved. They've never gone to the next cubicle and tried to tell them how to be saved on a break. They've never in any of the relationship connections that they've had taken the opportunity to tell them how to be saved. These guys followed Jesus because John the Baptist told them to. And if you're saved this morning, you're saved because somebody told you. So don't sit and curse the darkness. Talk about how much you hate the world. It's just so bad. Stop cursing the darkness and turn the light on one soul at a time. It's what God calls us to do. We'll be held accountable for it. Part of an effective witness is that it is a daily, consistent part of our life. His witness also, friend, not only was it demonstrated, described, and daily, but it was dependent. I'm glad, friend, that we don't have to walk this road alone. Aren't you? Brother Ray preached on this. We, we've got a friend that sticks closer than the brother. Oh, it's Jesus, but we know him in the person of the Holy Spirit. He indwells us. He lives with us. 1 Corinthians 2.14, he helps us to understand God's word, to know his will, he speaks to us, but he also works in the people who are the object of his loves and those that we're to witness to. Look at the, the, the dependency that John had in his witness upon the Holy Spirit. Look at verse number 32. John says again, And John bore witness, saying, and we're going back looking at those scriptures again that we saw in the book of Matthew, chapter 3. John bore witness, saying, Man, there I was in, in, in the Jordan. And, and Jesus comes, and, and that verse that Brother Chad couldn't read was happening. I had that conversation with Jesus. I said, man, I need to be baptized with you. And Jesus says, no, so that all God's will might be fulfilled. You're going to baptize me. And John says, I saw, after that happened, he says, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him. You say, well, what's so symbolic about that? Listen. He says, I did not know him. But he, that whom he sent me to baptize with water, said to me, Upon whom, God said to John the Baptist, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was sent to help John understand that Jesus was God's Son, the promised Messiah. And friend, when you and I seek to witness, we're not left alone. Not only is the Holy Spirit helping you to witness, but he's working on the object whom you're witnessing to. The Bible says when he comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Listen to John chapter 16, verses 8 through 14, speaking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John 16, verses 8 through 14. It says, and when he comes, he'll convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Why couldn't they bear them? The, the things that Jesus was going to share, why couldn't they understand? Listen to me. Because they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. 
It was the Holy Spirit that would help them to understand later after Christ ascended what all these truths were. That's what that meant. That's what this statement was. That's what he was saying then. That's why he did that. That's what this means. The lights just started turning on for him because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to verse number 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears me speak, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Listen, when you're witnessing to someone who's lost and you're sharing with them the truth of the gospel, that all sin falls short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death, they need to repent, turn to Christ. Romans 10, 9, 10, they need to confess Jesus to be Lord of their life. Romans 10, 13, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved. When you're sharing those verses, listen, the Holy Spirit is at work in them and it's saying it's true. It's true. It's true. Look to Jesus. Jesus is God's Son. It's Him. It's Him. It's Him. And so I don't have to convince anybody to be saved. All I have to do, friend, is share the truth of God's Word because the Holy Spirit, friend, is going to do what only He can do and to convict of sin, Christ's righteousness, and judgment that's going to come upon their soul. Isn't that great? John's witness, witness was effective, friend, because he was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Look what John that's writing the book of John wrote later in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 9. Listen to this truth. If we, and literally that word if can be translated since, and so I'm going to read it that way. Since we receive the witness of men, and we do that all the time. How many of you have ever gone to a, a restaurant that somebody told you about that was good? Any of you ever done that? You didn't have any idea whether it's going to be good or not, but somebody told you, hey, man, this restaurant is awesome. You need to go there and try it. And so because they told you that, you went and did it. How many of you have ever gone to a doctor's office because you were sick, and the doctor back before computers, you remember when they'd write something down on a little piece of paper and, you know, they couldn't read and the pharmacist couldn't read, and they'd say, hey, take this prescription and give it to the pharmacy. And then they're going to fill it for you and you go home and take it. Well, you're taking the witness of that doctor and the witness of that pharmacist that what he's prescribed and what he's putting in the bottle. And you listen, you don't know what it is. But you trust their witness and you put it in their body. Listen to what John's saying. Since we receive the witness of men. That is people saying is you need to do this. This is good for you. Since we receive the witness of men. Listen, the witness of God is greater. Well, what's the witness of God? It's the witness of the Holy Spirit. For this is the witness of God, which He has testified of His Son. When you're seeking to witness someone, friend, listen, you don't have to convince them to be saved. Listen to me. That's the reason so many people won't share the gospel. They're afraid of rejection. Friend, listen. I'm not inviting someone to have a relationship with me. I'm inviting someone to have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so they're not going to reject me. And I can't convince anyone to be saved. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't that free you? John's witness was effective because he was dependent. He simply shared what he had seen, what he had heard. His life before Christ how he met Christ and his life since Christ. And he simply was faithful to share 
God's Word. But now listen, you can't share what you don't know. You can't share what you don't know. You guys know I love to fish. I, I, I love it. It's not a number one priority in my life by any means, but it's way down there on the line. It's on the priority list. I love to fish when I've got some spare time. love it more when my family's able to go with me. And a lot of times, you know, I'll think, well, this is what we're going after today. This is how we're going to get them. And so we'll pack the boat. Stay with me. I'll, I'll make sure I've got these lures in my tackle box. But then I'll get out on the river and I'll, and I'll be like, man, I want to fish with this. And I'll open my tackle box, listen to me, and that lure that I want, it's not there. Stay with me. I wanted to be able to fish with it, but I don't have it. Now it's time to fish, and I, I, don't, I don't have the lure that I, that I need to. Well, friend, the, the Bible promises, friend, that 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, that, that we have to study. We have to study to show ourselves approved unto God. The one verse, I've got to spend time studying. Psalm 119, verse 11, I have to hide God's word in my heart. Literally, go back to the illustration. Listen, I've got to put the lures in the box. Okay? I've got through discipline and dedication, I've got to study those passages of Scripture. 1 John 5, 13, these things are written. I've got to study those passages of Scripture that are written that I can share with someone to tell them what God says it takes to be saved. Okay? So I've got to put that time. But listen, the Holy Spirit's going to help me to know what lures to use. He's my guide. I've got some friends that are a lot better fishermen than I am. It's only two of them because they're the only two people that are better fishermen than I am. I'm just kidding. Trying to get everybody back online. But I've got some buddies that fish for a living. Every now and then I'll get to go fishing with them. Man, it's just great. They know all the best holes, all the best places to go. You'll say, throw right here. Throw. It's almost mindless. Make sure you throw right there. Reel down through here. You're going to hit this brush pile right here. They tell me exactly where to throw. Listen, that when, when you hide God's word in your heart, the Bible promises, friend, God will tell you what to say and what to do. You've got to study. You've got to hide the words in your heart. But Luke chapter 12, verse 12, well, let's back up to verse 11. It says this, Now when they bring you into the synagogue's magistrates and authorities, do not worry about what you should answer or what you should say and they're given a witness for Christ. Listen, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that hour what you ought to say. If you'll hide God's word in your heart, I promise you, friend, when it's time to witness, the Holy Spirit will tell you what you need to say. If you're dependent upon Him, we study, we hide, He teaches, He tells. Fifth and I close, stay with me. Our ineffective witness is demonstrated, it's described, it must be daily, it must be dependent. You must be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. But friend, notice this, it must be delivering. It must be delivering. Look again in John chapter 1, verse number 29. Then the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What's he doing? He's pointing people to Jesus. His witness delivers people to Jesus. My buddy Andy's in the back there. Every day he gets in the FedEx truck. And listen, he connects people with their packages. He delivers packages to people. An effective witness, friend, listen. We don't deliver people from sin. We deliver people to the feet of Jesus Christ. That's what an effective witness does. That's what John's saying. He says, look, 
There's Jesus. Not, hey, join, not, he's not delivering him to the church. He's not delivering him to community. He's delivering them to Jesus. That's who saves souls. That's who changes lives. Look at verse number 36. And, and, and looking to Jesus, and looking at Jesus, as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now he's getting people closer. He keeps this point saying, No, come on, come on. Don't follow me. Come on, look at Jesus. That's, that's where we're going. You keep looking at him. Friend, I promise you this. If you watch people in the church, it won't be long before you get your heart broken, you'll quit. But I promise you this, friend. You watch Jesus and he'll never break your heart. He'll never let you down. That's who saves us. That's who our relationship is with. Listen, to, look at verse number 37. The two disciples heard him, heard John, and they followed Jesus. What, what he spoke pointed them to Jesus. That's how our witness be, must be. We deliver people to Jesus. That's the whole object. See, friend, that's why America's in such, especially down here in the South where the good Baptist rules and reigns, the majority of the people in the South that are lost, they're going to hell, friend, because they're good Baptists. They're Protestant Catholics. That's all they are. They've never come to the feet of Jesus, turned from sin, and trusted Him to be Lord of their life. People brought them to the church. They delivered them into the baptistry. They delivered them into a Sunday school class. Listen. They delivered them into being religious, but they never were delivered to the feet of Jesus. Friend, look at me right here. Some of it, it's like a, it's like a bird, like a, a dog lot. A bird flies through and everybody just looks. Look here. I'm telling you, friend, you're never going to lead someone to Christ if you don't seek to point people to Jesus Christ. John's witness was effective because he pointed people to Christ. And see the result. People followed. Then Jesus turned and seeing them said to them, What do you seek? And lives were changed because John delivered them now. But notice this. I love this part. And the Bible says in verse number 40, and then one of them who heard John speak. Don't miss that part. One of them who heard John's witness, and now they're following Jesus, followed him, and his name was Andrew. He was Simon Peter's brother. Now listen to what happened. His life got changed. He saw John's witness, and he began to think about that. Now how did I go from a lost fisherman to a follower, saved follower of Christ? How did, how did that happen? And so he says, well, man... I know people I need to tell. I'm going to, be, I'm going to do what John did. And so he first found his brother Simon, verse 41, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. Look at verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. He delivered him to Christ. And friend, that's the ultimate goal of our witness is to deliver people to the feet of Jesus where they have to make a decision. They have to make a decision. No. I want to ask you this morning, how many of you believe you know, that Jesus is the answer to every problem man has or ever will have? Anybody? He is, friend. He's the answer. There's no other. Church can't save people. Focus groups can't save people. Turn over a new group can't save people. Community can't save people. A small group can't save anybody. Only Jesus Christ can. He's, friend, listen, He is the message. 
He's where we've got to point people. And the question I've got to ask this morning is this, friend, because our, our text this morning, Sunday school, challenged us, friend, to redeem the time. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of snow on roofs in our church. And some of you don't have as many days as you used to have. The Bible commands us, friend, to redeem the time. To make the most of every single day. For what? For the upbuilding of God's kingdom. And the only thing that's going to change the direction of our nation in this world is pointing people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And it brings me to a place this morning to ask myself a question, and you as well. Are we making a positive spiritual effect in the lives of others through our witness? Think about that. Would you, could you be humble enough this morning just to ask that? Before God, am I making a positive spiritual impact in the lives of others through my daily witness? That's something to think about. That's a humbling question to ask. Where are you lacking? As we come to a time of invitation, will you respond to the Holy Spirit as He challenges you? If you've never been saved, I want you to listen to me real quickly. I want, I want to deliver you to Jesus Christ this morning. Listen to me. He loves you. He came to this sin-cursed earth and died for you because the penalty for sin is death. And you need to know Romans 3.23 says, You're lost. I was lost. All people are born lost. There's a penalty for that sin. It's to spend eternity in a place called hell. But God loves you. He sent Christ to die for you. He rose from the grave. And he sent me here this morning to tell you this, friend. If you would choose to turn from all your sin in repentance and believe on him to be Lord of your life, he will save you and give you a brand new life. But you've got to choose to turn and receive him. I invite you to do that today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. God, I pray you will strip apathy and indifference away from our church family. And God, I pray you will break our hearts in these days over what you left the glory of heaven and came to this sin-cursed earth to accomplish. And that's to win a lost and dying world to you. God, our region, our community is so gospel-hardened. Break our hearts here this morning, your church, over the reality of hell. Those who are going to spend eternity in hell if they don't turn and receive Jesus Christ. And God, challenge us and then equip us to be effective witnesses just like John was. But God, I want to pray for those who are here who have never been saved. There's never been a moment that they've turned and trusted you. God, I pray in the quietness of their heart right now, they'll choose to receive Jesus to be Lord of their life. They'll tell you so, God, in a simple prayer of faith just like this. God, forgive me a sinner. I acknowledge my sin. Your word says I'm a sinner. I receive it, I am. I turn from it. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Christ died for me. I believe he rose again. And just like these did that we see in Scripture this morning, I'm choosing to turn from sin and follow Jesus. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. Now take me and make me into the man or woman you want me to be. And in these next few moments, help me to not be ashamed of you, to never be ashamed of you, and to make my commitment to follow you this morning, a public commitment, to challenge the church based on what you've done in my heart just now. That's my prayer. Heads your bowed eyes.